Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Welcome one, welcome all. This is Monday Football Monday on the SB Nation NFL show. My name is Pete Sweeney, and you know if you're hearing my voice first, that means RJ Ochoa is not with us today, but filling in for him is our Arrowhead Pride podcast producer, Steven Serta, and also John Ledyard of what is the Pewter Report. And John, there's a good reason you're here. It's because we are picking the best possible lineup out of the NFC South, and you cover the world champion. It hurts me to say it as a, a Chiefs guy, oh. the world champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I just realized how close to home this podcast must hit with you guys. And I just, <laughs> uh, first of all, I want to say I appreciate you overlooking the Bucs thing and still having me on and still talking NFC South. It means a lot. Yeah. So over the next couple of weeks here, we as a podcast will be going through each and every division. It'll be a different division, every podcast where we are picking the absolute best possible lineup. So we have the Bucks, the Saints, the Panthers and the Falcons in the NFC South. This is an area of your expertise. Uh, Steve, you're a big fantasy guy, so you know about a lot of these players across the league. So it will make for an interesting debate. I'll kind of run this thing and I'll go to Steve and John and have them both weigh in here. Before we get into anything, of course, got to remind you guys, please rate and review us. Five stars help if you really are enjoying what we're doing on these shows. But OK, let's get into it. It's the quarterback position. We have Tom Brady, the GOAT, Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill is in that mix, I guess. Sam Darnold and Matt Ryan. John, I'll let you start here. Well, I think it's pretty obviously Tom Brady. I think that uh, it's hard to <laughs> hard to make another choice here. I mean, I think obviously Matt Ryan's still a good quarterback and there's still lots to be said about him and his game. Uh, but what Brady did last season, I mean, just pretty remarkable to see. I mean, I think that he's his talent level, the fact that it hasn't dropped off still at this point is probably one of the more remarkable things we'll ever see in football. Obviously, the accomplishments in the Super Bowl, you know, speak for themselves, but I think even if you watch the full context of what he did last season and the caliber of play that it takes to run Bruce Aaron's offense. That is one of the most difficult offenses in the league uh, for a quarterback to run. And he did it without an off season and stepping into it, coming from another system for years and years, having to learn all new verbiage. So I think the full context of Brady's situation makes it really just an unbelievable type of season. And so just to see what he does this season. When you look at the chiefs bucks game and before the super bowl that they ended up, losing to the Buccaneers. Tom Brady was still, even late in the regular season, it seemed, learning the offense. It, it didn't really yeah. seem like things were clicking until really the playoff run, which is why they weren't necessarily a top seed, but they were able to rip off some wins. Uh, Steve, we know Jameis Winston is not an option. We know Sam Darnold is not an option here. I mean, these are guys that have had to end up uh. with new teams, but it's Brady and Ryan. Who, what do you think, Steve? I, it's obviously Brady and Ryan. I mean, Sam Darnold in the Joe Brady led offense with the Panthers is intriguing, at least. <laughs> They're saying maybe we're picking the wrong Brady I'm, in a sense. 
I, I, I'm just, I, I'm just curious to see how Sam Darnold actually looks this season. Like if he's actually a competent NFL quarterback and he was just stuck with the jets forever, because that is a quarterback friendly offense. Like we saw what Teddy Bridgewater did last season in that Joe Brady offense. So I'm curious about Sam Darnold at least and the saints. I feel like Sean Payton is going to give us way too much Taysom Hill, even though we all want Jameis Winston because Jameis Winston is fun. And I want to see Jameis Winston just go throw for 5,000 yards. I don't care if he throws for 30 picks again. I just want to see Jameis Winston launching the football down the field. Yeah. But yes, in this division, it's it's Brady and, and it's Matt Ryan and everybody else is light years behind them. And the problem here, I think, when it comes to Brady and Ryan to make any case for Ryan, and it may end up being the same thing. 20 years from now, when people are talking about Brady and Mahomes, is you go back to the Super Bowl in 2016 and look no further than on the grandest stage, the comeback where the Patriots are able to uh, come all the way back and beat the Falcons in the Super Bowl, Brady versus Ryan. So to me, uh, I think there's really no other way to go here. The quarterback uh, that we're choosing is Tom Brady. Let's move to the offensive line. Uh, John, what I want to do on on this particular one is go through the offensive lines, but let's pick a a team's offensive line more so than uh, plugging in individual players. But what are some standouts uh, along the line in the NFC South for you? I think this one, you know, there's a lot of, it's almost all Bucks and Saints, right? Like there's maybe one guy from the Panthers, maybe one guy from the Falcons, but if you made a first and second team of individuals, you know, you wouldn't get many Bucks or or many, sorry, many Panthers or Falcons on this list. Just two offensive lines that are kind of in dire straits against probably what is easily two of the top five, maybe even top three offensive lines in the league in Tampa Bay and New Orleans. So um, I think that for me, the Bucks offensive line would have the edge. I'm not going to pick all Bucks, I promise, in case anyone's wondering. But Bucks O line would have the edge to me. Although I think you're fine going with the Bucks or the Saints. Either way, you're going to have a premier offensive line. To me, what I was doing when I thought about this, I said, okay, who's ev- let's keep everybody in their exact position, right? So we can't yeah. move Taylor Moten to, to right guard, where maybe he'd be the best right guard in the in the in the division. Let's just keep everybody where they are and where they be. And I picked Teron Armstead as the best left tackle in the in the division Ali Marpet is the best left guard Ryan Jensen is the best center right guard is a little bit of a thinner spot across the division uh, I still think Alex Kappa had a really good year but I took him at right guard over Cesar Ruiz and even Chris Lindstrom at this point in his career although I think Lindstrom and Ruiz can be better than Kappa. they're more talented someday if they can catch up to where Kappa's gotten strength and technique wise and then Tristan Wirfs I picked at right tackle in a tough division for right tackle. I picked him over Ryan Ramchick and Taylor Moten. So I went with four or five bucks there, just even breaking it down individually. Even if you squibble on a spot or two, I still think you'd probably lean toward the Bucks offensive line. Yeah, I think this is another position where it's it's one or the other. I mean, you're only picking the Buccaneers or the Saints if you wanted to randomly put and mix and match there. I think you're ending up with a pretty good offensive line. The Bucks have the edge for me. I found this stat from Pro Football Focus that Tom Brady was under pressure just 24% of his dropbacks, which was fourth lowest in the NFL during the season. And that was with Bruce Arians in the press conferences after the game being like, we're trying to make him throw the ball down the field. This is what we want to be doing. Steve, I'll go to you. Any argument here when you you pick either the Bucks or the Saints? I, I believe we're going to pick the Bucks here, correct? Yeah, if we're just picking one individual yeah. offensive line, I think it's got to be the Bucks. Um, it just seems unfair that Tom Brady at this age is still playing at an exceptionally high level 
And then you give him like a top five offensive line in the NFL. And oh, your first round pick, Tristan Wirfs, is an absolute stud. Unreal. Who is young and is going to be one of the best offensive linemen in the NFL, it looks like, over the next 10 years. It's hard to argue against the Bucs. ESPN had a survey. They said Tristan Wirfs isn't that talented. One of their one of the NFL executives said he's not that not that talented. (laughs) Well, I disagree with that NFL executive. (laughs) I'm so sick of random NFL executive X making a headline that says, well, this guy says this. And all of a sudden it becomes into this. We, who is it? Just say, just say yeah, what your name yeah. is. And then maybe we can discuss. I want to make one quick point on this. And it just goes back to Brady and this offensive line and the Brady Belichick discussion. And it's a point that I've made on this podcast when we've had a different topic discussions. And that's like, I feel like we have to wait a little bit when it comes to the Brady Belichick argument, because Brady was a free agent. He knew exactly where he was going with this offensive line. And we're going to get into the weapons when it comes to the running back and the wide receivers and whatnot. And hey, look, it still takes getting it done. But he picked his he handpicked his team. I think he knew where he was going. He wanted to go to the warm weather. Uh, Bill Belichick had all these opt outs. He was working with Brian Hoyer for some games. Cam Newton, who looked like a shell of himself and still managed to be seven and nine. So I don't know. I'm always waiting, I think, until. Belichick finally is able to get his quarterback. Let's see if Mac Jones can somehow push for that. Uh, but Brady picked this offensive line. I think he knew uh, what he was doing. Uh, PFF had him in the fifth best in the league. The Saints was number eight. But uh, putting a bow on this, I, I think we're picking the Buccaneers here. Yeah. And we can just say Brady and Belichick are, we can already say they're both the best ever, right? Can we do Correct. that? I mean, yeah. Yeah. We don't have to wait for that. I'm talking <laughs> people, more so of the argument. Yeah. Of, I know. Who, I know exactly. Who gets yeah. the credit? You know, right. and I, 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 I just think the there. whole thing is so silly. Like, clearly, they're both amazing. Well, I, I completely they are agree. Both, they're both yeah. amazing. But if we did have to put them against one another, Brady's already wrapped this thing up. Like, you can't do better than winning a Super Bowl your first year removed from that head coach. I think there's nothing more important than a quarterback. So that's where I'd give Brady the advantage. I just think that Brady could pick 31 teams, though. I mean, if if Belichick could have entered last year, and, and this is my final point on this because we're getting off track, but if Belichick could have entered last year and just handpicked any new quarterback in the league, you know, maybe the Patriots are in the, in the playoffs. All right, let's go to the running back position. Man, I, I, we keep pick, picking these, these positions, and it just seems obvious each one, but uh, we have Christian McCaffrey, and now... His former backup is in line to be the starter in Atlanta in Mike Davis. We have Alvin Kamara and then Ronald Jones and sometimes playoff Lenny, sometimes regular season Lenny, who isn't as good as the, the playoff version of him. We have to go Christian McCaffrey here. We'll start with you, Serta, and then, and then we'll, we'll head to John. Yeah, it's in my opinion, it's got to be Christian McCaffrey. I know he was injured last season and we didn't get to see the, the the full Christian McCaffrey experience in that Joe Brady led offense that I was just raving about. But when he did play, he was still exceptional. He just was banged up. That happens sometimes in the NFL. You're going to have seasons like that. I think that he's going to bounce back this season. He's still one of the best running backs in football. In my mind, Alvin Kamara is also an exceptional player. So I don't think it's just as easy as a decision as I made it sound, but I think, When Christian McCaffrey is 100% healthy, he's the best running back in football right now. Uh, He's the best dual threat running back in football. Like he is a wide receiver playing the running back position and he's just exceptional at everything. So I think you have to give the nod to Christian McCaffrey. Although I do have a little bit more love and I'd love to hear John's opinion on this. I have a little bit more love for Ronald Jones and I feel like 
people, I feel like people don't give him enough respect, especially with the playoff Lenny run last year. It's hard with Ronald Jones because he's the, like he plays the least important position already in running back. So like you're just really more than anything, especially on an offense that talented, you don't want that guy to screw it up for everybody else. And like, while Ronald Jones is clearly, and I think everybody would tell you this, the most talented running back on the boxer roster. He's also been like, Boneheaded maybe seems like a harsh word, but he just like he doesn't really get it in the passing game or in pass protection. Even like think things like where to be, like when to get your head around, when to get your hands up. And this isn't even just coming from us. His position coach, we've seen it on tape. I've known it, but his position coaches have even said it. Now they've said it in an affirming way, like these are the things he needs to get better at. This is what we're training. This is what we're working on. And and obviously Ronald Jones was a an abject disaster as a rookie. So he's come a ways for sure. And this might be the year. We'll see. I, I Like you said, I get where you're coming from because he's very talented. There's no question about that. So we'll see how the rest of his game develops. To me, yeah, the, quick with this one, McCaffrey is both McCaffrey and Kamara are elite receivers, maybe the best two in the league at the running back position. But McCaffrey is the better pure runner compared to Kamara, in my opinion. So I would go with McCaffrey here as well. Yeah, I would agree. I think Kamara is the only one who could make an argument if you, you want to go in that direction. And it's just a shame that he's in this grouping. I also think lending credit to both of your points, like I really like Mike Davis and I really like Ronald Jones, but they just happen to be in the division with these two absolute elite studs. And so uh, Mike, Mike Davis is finally going to get an opportunity. We think if, if I, I believe Allison is in that mix and they took a rookie or, or they signed a rookie in JV and Hawkins, but Davis is going to get a chance to be the guy in his hometown. So that's like an underlying story here, but CMC is the pick. I mean, there's no other way to go until he has a year where, or I would say maybe back-to-back years now, two years in a row where he is injury prone and he isn't able to get on the field. I believe he only played three games last year. So that is something to monitor. And then you would slide Kamara in there. But right now I think it is CMC. Uh, let's go to tight end on the Bucks. You have Rob Gronkowski, OJ Howard, Cam Brate. Atlanta, Kyle Pitts and Hayden Hurst. You have Dan Arnold and Ian Thomas, Nick Vanette, <laughs> some names uh, with the other two teams that are, are really not even in the mix. And crazy again. I mean, uh, John, we'll start with you. I, I think you got to go Gronkowski at this point, which is odd to say because it, it's, it's, it's certainly the tail end you would think of his career at this point. Just my opinion when I'm doing these lists that I won't put a rookie on the rankings unless the position is just like right. destitute. It was like close really though, because no if Gronk isn't if Gronk isn't in this mix, you may go Kyle Pitts. Honestly. Oh yeah. It it I probably would honestly go Kyle Pitts just because I don't think OJ Howard stayed healthy enough to justify putting him there. I think he's incredibly talented. Again, if he's healthy, this is probably going to be the year. Maybe there's a lot of weapons we'll see. But yeah, to me, Gronkowski, what was undersold about Gronkowski was everybody wants to focus on, oh, he's not fast anymore. I don't really think that that's true. I don't really think Gronkowski has ever looked fast. He's never really run particularly fast. It wasn't like he was a 4-4 tight end of Vernon Davis coming out. He's always had big kind of lumbering more movements. He's never been like a quick twitch out of breaks type of tight end. That's never been how he's won yet. He's been the best tight end in NFL history. So I don't really think his game has changed really, to be honest. I know that was just kind of a popular refrain when he didn't have many catches in the first four weeks of the season, but I mean, he led the league in all tight ends last year in deep targets down the field and deep catches down the field. He had eight of them, 20 plus air yards or more. So I just don't, I mean, he was the best vertical tight end in the NFL last year, you know, statistically. And if you watch tape, I mean, Brady, he was the only guy Brady couldn't hit every other receiver on the Bucks offense 
Scotty Miller, Antonio Brown, even Antonio <laughs> Brown, you know, like had the best catch percentage of their career with Brady last year. And Gronkowski actually had the worst catch percentage of his career. And it wasn't because of drops. He only dropped three passes. They, those two had a hard time connecting. It makes no sense, but they had a hard time connecting early in the season. And Gronkowski was open a lot and Brady wasn't able to hit him. And I think his yardage and his production could have been even greater. So I, I still think he's a four tight, top four tight end in the NFL. I agree with you. And yes, under normal circumstances, Gronk should be the tight end that you go with here. But I think I have to go with Kyle Pitts. Like we're just, <laughs> we're hyping him up way too much. And, and especially right. like from a fantasy perspective, I, everybody loves him so much. And I agree. He's incredibly talented. He's one of the best tight end prospects that we, that we've ever seen. And that's why he was a top five pick. And so for me, it's like, if we're going to hype this guy up this much, then we got to go with him, especially in a division that's got tight ends that are, that are just this bad. Uh, yeah. I'm an OJ Howard believer, but he's headed into year five and we still haven't really seen it get figured out for him. And he's coming off of a major injury. So Gronk is probably the best tight end on that Tampa Bay roster right now. I think it's just more exciting to go with Kyle Pitts, though, because I just know what Gronk is at this point in his career. I appreciate that. I like that. Yeah, I think that the Kyle Pitts pick isn't bad. I mean, you take him with the top five pick. I mean, he's the highest selected tight end now of all time. It's just it's hard to for me on a list like this to go with the unknown. So in a split decision, we're going to go with Rob Gronkowski. Sorry, Steve. Uh, well, let's move on to wide receivers as we go here. So we're going to pick three wide receivers for our starting lineup. This is the new school NFL. Uh, where three wide receivers are on the field a lot of the time. So we're going to pick two outside, uh, one on the slot. I'll let you guys weigh in here. Some slot options. Uh, Chris Godwin, Robbie Anderson, Russ Gage uh, are among them. Traquan Smith. Outside options, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, Michael Thomas. Uh, again, Traquan Smith would be there. DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, uh, Terrace Marshall's in there. And of course, Calvin Ridley. So a lot of options here. Uh, John, we'll go back to you. One slot option, two outside options. Okay. This is tricky because I because there's so many good ones, obviously, I decided to go at it from the perspective of building a team. Who would I want? Complimentary roles, things of that nature. Cool. So I went Mike Evans as my top outside guy and best one of the best vertical threats in the league. I think he's clearly the best vertical threat probably in the in the in the division. I went Chris Godwin as a guy that could be the hybrid or he can play inside. He does frequently for the Bucs. He also plays outside the rare kind of, in some ways people would might, if he wasn't so productive down the field, people would want to call him like a bigger Jarvis Landry, but instead he also makes plays down the field vertically all the time. And, and, and he's made splash plays his whole career. So he's like the best version of Jarvis Landry, which is pretty dang good. And so uh, I have Chris Godwin in there as well. And then, this is probably going to be controversial, but I went with Calvin Ridley as the third guy. I think Michael Thomas is a stud. He was actually my wide receiver one in that class. I have continued to stand by him. Maybe there's some recency bias. I'm not going to put myself above that coming off the fact that he didn't play last year. But I think that just if I'm looking to build an offense, to me, Godwin already does a lot of the stuff Michael Thomas does at a really high level. And he gives you the more of a vertical component. Thomas may have that. We just haven't seen it in the versions of the Saints offenses that we've seen in recent years. I want to see it before I put him in there over a Godwin. That's to me what separates them. And then if I'm looking just for an outside guy who can also play inside, move around, separates versus man coverage. If you're going to give him your third worst corner, I'm taking Calvin Ridley because I think he's already one of the best route runners in the league and he's great down the field too. So Evans and Ridley on the outside, Chris Godwin in the slot. Steve, agree or disagree? 
I agree. I, I don't think it's controversial to pick Calvin Ridley over Michael Thomas at all. Let's go. I, it's <laughs> my, like my, Michael Thomas is an incredible player, but, and he was injured last year and last year was just a weird year for him. He was fighting players in practice and, and stuff like that. But yeah, he's just, he's an incredible physical wide receiver who can jump over DBs and go get the football. And he's incredibly strong and it's impossible to like knock a football away from him when it gets within his target zone. But I've just never seen the ability to like create separation from Michael Thomas, the way a guy like Calvin Ridley can. And you mentioned it. He's already one of the best route runners in football. Like Calvin Ridley is a devastating player. Mm-hmm. I don't think my of Michael Thomas that way at all. Like he's, a, he's a very good wide receiver who when put in the right situations can absolutely thrive. Calvin Ridley is just a devastating weapon in the modern day NFL. And that's why I would pick Mike Evans too, because he gives you that deep play ability that not a lot of wide receivers can. And it's just not something that you see out of Michael Thomas. And that's also why I would totally agree with you and go Chris Godwin in the slot. Cause I do think that Chris Godwin can do the same things that Michael Thomas does. I think Chris Godwin is overall like a more polished route runner and a more polished wide receiver that I would find a lot more ways to utilize than the way the saints have utilized Michael Thomas, his entire career. Yeah. I, I don't agree with the Ridley over Thomas. I agree with the other two. That would have been my picks. I I think we have to see it from a longer period of time for Ridley before I'm willing to just replace Thomas. Like the respect that we gave CMC for having an injury prone year last year, we're not giving for Thomas right here. So I, I think it's a split decision for me, but we're going to put Ridley in there because that's two votes to one. So here is Woo. your offense. It goes. And nobody even mentioned Antonio Brown, by the way, who right. can still, right. can still light it up. Yeah, I, I love mean, DJ Moore and Terrace Marshall yes, too, but geez. they're not as good as those dudes. Yeah, any, that's right. It's it's wild that there is an offense in the NFL with Antonio Brown on it. And we know how dominating, dominating he is on the field, but he also has some of the off the field stuff that you get interested in. Mm-hmm. Hashtag helmet gate, hashtag a lot of gates. We don't have to get into um, and the offense is so good. There are just so many other players to talk about. And that's what is probably a lot of fun covering the Bucks. similar in a, in a sense, I think to the chiefs here in Kansas city, it's like an all-star team. You forget that Antonio Brown is out there and he's one of the most dominating uh, receivers in his prime uh, that we've seen in a long time in the NFL. So that's, that's a great point by you. All right, let's go uh, through the offense and then we'll take a quick break. So we have Tom Brady, we have the Bucks O-line. We have Christian McCaffrey, Rob Gronkowski, and then our wide receivers are Mike Evans, Calvin Ridley, and Chris Godwin. That's a pretty good lineup on the offensive side of the football. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, You're listening to Monday Football Monday on the SB Nation NFL show. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. 
Back here on the SB Nation NFL show, it's Pete Sweeney, Steven Serta, John Ledger, uh, RJ Ochoa skipping out. It's the it's the summer of RJ, I guess. So he just he heard I was coming do, on. The, he heard I was coming on the show. I think he does. doesn't want to do Monday Football Monday anymore. So uh, we we understand RJ. Listen, you you take your R and R. We know you'll be back for training camp and the regular season and whatnot. We went through the offensive side of the football when it comes to. An all-star team of sorts in the NFC South. Now we will go to the defensive side. We're going to go a four-two-five type deal. So we'll put, pick four defensive linemen, two linebackers, and then five defensive backs here. Uh, let's start with the top two edge defenders uh, in the division. And John, we'll start with you. This was really hard because there's three guys, I think, to me that really stand out and it's hard to separate them right now. In fact, I just did kind of an edge defender rankings article and I had them one right after the other, I believe, if I'm recalling correctly. Um, Brian Burns, Cam Jordan and Shaq Barrett are all really, really good players. Maybe it's just me wanting to get away from the buck stigma thing, but I'm going to go. I think Brian Burns is going to be one of the best passers in the league. So I'm going to go. I'm going to take him first out of okay. that group. I just think he's on that trajectory. There are not many people who can move like he can. I think that really matters. Uh, one more year to physically develop, and he's going to be an absolute star, I think. Then I'm thinking, okay, what do I want to compliment him? I just think Cam Jordan is still one of the best run defending edge defenders in the league. He gives me more versatility because he can also kick inside or play over a tackle, you know, eye to eye if you wanted him to. Um, and so I'm going to go with Cam Jordan because of that. Shout out Shaq Barrett. He's an absolute stud, but uh, that's how I viewed it in terms of putting together a team. So, John, I got to tell you, I was talking to Steve off air about this, and here we were tasked by our fearless leader, Michael Kist, to pull the curtain back a little bit to talk about the NFC South. And I don't know a ton about the NFC South defense. I'll be honest. I know a little bit about the offensive side because of fantasy football and whatnot. I turned to Steve and Steve's like, Pete, I got to tell you, I know a lot about the NFC South defense. And I'm like, what, Steve? So, Steve, why don't you tap into your rare expertise here in Kansas City and tell us about the edge defenders you would pick? It's I would like to make it clear that, like, I'm not sitting around doing like breakdowns (laughs) of NFC South defense or anything like that. It's just one of those things where I do so much football research that it's just like it gets buried in my brain. And so when I start thinking about it, I'm like, actually, I do kind of know a lot about the NFC South defenses. And I'm with John 100 percent. Brian Burns is the most underrated pass rusher in the NFL right now. Like I, I feel like your average fan outside of Panthers fans has no idea who Brian Burns is. Like they've never heard of him. They don't have any idea who he is. He's kind of like uh Minnesota Vikings pass rusher, Daniil Hunter forever. He was just consistently like one of the five best pass rushers in football. And no one had any idea who he was. Brian Burns is kind of that guy right now in the NFL. He's had two fantastic seasons so far in his career, and he's just going to keep getting better. And the Panthers are actually doing some interesting stuff on defense. It should make their overall defense better that I think is going to make him an even better player. And I love Shaq Barrett, but yeah, Cam Jordan, even though he's 32 years old, he is still just dominant, still super safe, super consistent. You know what you're going to get out of him each and every season. So it's hard for me to not want a guy like that on this team because you have a guy in Brian Burns who's young, can be a legitimate superstar. And then you have Cam Jordan. You know, you never got to worry about Cam. He's always going to be awesome. You guys are really doing this. You're going to make the editor in chief of Arrowhead Pride, the chief site, defend Shaq Barrett, who might be the 
only reason or the major reason the Bucks were able to dominate like they did in the Super Bowl. If the MVP didn't go to the quarterback every single year, Shaq Barrett was the pick. I, I don't I don't know how we could leave him off this list. So I'm going to make this a split decision. I can get behind Cam Jordan, uh, Brian Burns. Steve, you seem to be this Brian Burns super supporter, but John's on your side. So we'll leave Shaq Barrett, the Super Bowl MVP, in my mind, off the list. I can't believe I'm a Shaq Barrett defender today. Uh, let's go to the interior linemen and Steve, we'll start with you. There, there's actually some other interesting options here in the NFC South, but I think it has to start with Grady Jarrett and Vita Vea. And we saw the impact that he had for the Bucks down the playoff stretch. I think those guys are both two absolute monsters on the interior. And there's, you could make case for other for other defenders in in this division, but I think it starts with Grady Jarrett and Vita Vea, and I don't think anybody else is that close to those guys right now. Go ahead, John. Yeah, no, no, nobody's close. Those are the top two guys. I and I shout out to David Onyemata because he is a stud. Uh, Derek Brown probably will be a stud, um, but yeah, to me, it's plus also the fun thing to think about. I like to think about it from a team building perspective. Like I said, can you picture two players better to play next to each other on the interior <laughs> than Vita Van Grady? Jared, I mean, Jared, Jared, Jared would just be one gap it all day and he could take all the risks yeah. he wants and Vita's just going to eat up space and blockers would be the perfect tandem if they ever get to play together. Uh, just be absolutely filthy. Oh my gosh. So there's your defensive line, Brian Burns, Grady Jared, Vita Vea, and Cam Jordan. So let's move on to the second level here. We're going to be picking two linebackers, and we'll keep this snake format going. Uh, John, which way do you go here? Okay, so I just I just kind of dropped my top ten or what? Uh, dropped my. I think there's five. What I say? No, six elite linebackers in today's NFL today, and two of them are in the NFC South. And Devin White isn't one of them. Although Devin White, I still think, is on that trajectory to be the best linebacker in the league. And last year, the second half of the season was a huge step. Playoffs were a huge step in the right direction. I had him in my top 11 linebackers. I don't think that I don't think putting him higher than like the eight or nine range makes sense right now. Of the 11 linebackers that I think are the best in the NFL, four of them are in the NFC South. And so that just shows you how good the division is as a whole. Levante David and Demario Davis are my two options. So David was my number two linebacker in the league. Demario Davis, my number five linebacker in the league. Did Levante David, both these guys have been underrated their whole careers, but David's been actually a Hall of Fame talent his whole career. Demario Davis was a late bloomer. That explains some of it. But the last three or four years, he's been unbelievable. And he doesn't get enough credit for how good he's been in New Orleans because that guy in zone coverage is incredible. People think, oh, zone, it's easy for linebacker. You just spot drop. And no, the way he picks up routes, identifies and feels things behind him, uh, the way he moves in space, he is a terrific football player. Levante David is just unique in that, and you guys saw this in the Super Bowl. You know, he can match up with a tight end. He can do even the best in the league still. He can do lots of things. And yeah, he's probably not quite as fast as he used to be, but he's still he's still really athletic, but he's also been so technical and smart. Combination of those three things at that position it just his skill set's just been kind of coveted for forever. He's the kind of player that everybody wants at that position. So those were the two guys I picked with with much respect to Devin White and Deion Jones. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, I feel like we're just gonna be in sync on the defense. Oh no, this, I thought this was gonna be a controversial uh, one. Well, I was I was curious. I, I thought I felt like maybe you were gonna go Devin White mm. and and so I thought that was where I was kind of veering from you because I was going to go Levante David yeah. and Demario Davis. Like Demario Davis is another one of those guys that's just really underrated. Like he's a guy that just 
had productive years in the NFL and then landed on New Orleans and it was just like perfect fit. Everything fell in and he's just been absolutely incredible with the Saints. And, and, uh, and he doesn't get enough credit for how incredible he's been with the Saints. And yeah, Levante David is another guy that's just, he's an underrated player. He's been on a lot of bad football teams and now he's a Super Bowl champion and people are starting to realize how incredible he is. But, but Devin White's the young, flashy player that everybody, you know, at top end draft pick, he's got all the upside in the world. I don't think he's really lived up to his hype just yet. Like, I think I agree with you that he can be one of the best linebackers in football. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've seen his best yet, though. And that's why I would still give the nod to Levante David over Devin White. I really thought you were going to go with Devin White. So I thought I was... I, I was pulling a fast one there. I mean, I get it with White, though, because he like, if his game against Saints in the playoffs was one of the best games by linebackers I, I've ever seen. I mean, it was just incredible. I mean, re-watching it, seeing how many plays he made, and he has had games like that where he's unbelievable. Consistency and especially coverage feel has been the developing things for him. But you, I mean, in the playoffs, that developed so much. You know, it just kind of feels like it's clicking into place. Somebody who works that hard with all the gifts. I think he's the most gifted linebacker in the league. I, I honestly wouldn't even put it. To me, it's not even that close. Like he is that explosive, that fast, that physical, that smart. But yes, it's putting it all together in terms of technique and things like that that he has to work on. But I can get the argument for why he'd be included here. But I just think those other two guys are so good right now. I think it it's just the same theme. And the theme of as we're talking about the NFC South, it's, well, we're always picking a buck and we're considering another buck. And just this team should be right back there. and. Again, we talked about, you know, on the offensive side, Tom Brady's now, it's going to be the second year with Bruce Arians. It should be a little bit smoother. There's no reason that this team shouldn't be at least in the running concerning all the people that they're bringing back uh, to potentially win the NFC this time where they get the game off and they don't have to do the Taylor Henneke type of, you know, game where you have to see if they can get past Washington or something like that. And so uh, we're, we're looking at a team that should be dominant once again, because of, again, all these players that they have uh, returning here for what will be the yeah. uh, try to do it again. All right, let's continue on with the secondary. We're, we're going to pick three cornerbacks and Steve, we can start with you here. So the secondary that I picked in the NFC South, I chose Marshawn Lattimore and we might be uh, John, me and you, uh, this might be where we differ or we might be in lockstep. We'll see. Uh, see. But Marshawn Lattimore, I think is the guy that you have to go with. I think he's the biggest name cornerback in that division. Uh, He's proven he's had some ups and downs in his career, but he's proven that when it clicks for him, he can be a legitimate shutdown corner. Uh, We've seen what he's done against Mike Evans and the kind of feud that they've had going back and forth in that division for several years now. Marshawn Lattimore has won that feud for the most part against Mike Evans. He generally does very well against that particular player. Uh, Carlton Davis for the Bucs is a player that I remember headed into last year. I was kind of raving about the Buccaneers secondary because the previous season, all anybody seemed to remember was that you know, Jameis was throwing interceptions like crazy and that their secondary was giving up a ton of points each and every week. But part of that was because of how, how often the offense was turning the football over and down the back half of that season, prior to their super bowl season, that secondary really kind of came together and they've done a really good job of putting that secondary together in Tampa Bay Mm -hmm. without high end draft picks. And they've figured out like how to get the best out of these guys. And Carlton Davis is a big reason for it. And 
for the third one, I, I kind I kind of floated back and forth between uh, Jamil Dean. I think he's another really underrated player. Or if I wanted to go with a rookie and JC Horn, I, I think that's where I landed. I think I'm going to go with a rookie here just because it's not in terms of top end talent. The NFC South isn't a super deep division uh, in terms of like cornerback play. So I, I think I, I'd rather take the curiosity pick in JC Horn here. Yeah, this is, oh man. So we were almost in lockstep there. I all thought the same process with JC Horn because Marshawn Lattimore, yes, my top guy, he, you know, to me, he's, he's still a stud, even though yes, his play can be frustrating at times because he will ball out against the top player and then he will get hit the next week for a hundred by you know, <laughs> somebody that can't tie their shoes. So he can be a little bit frustrating for sure, but they ask a lot of him in that defense and he does typically deliver Carlton Davis. Yeah. Last year was a break. I know uh, chiefs fans may not understand that, but last year, other than that chiefs uh, half or quarter, whatever it was, he last year was a great kill year for disaster. Yes. <laughs> That was a disaster. Yeah. And some guys just, it's matchups, right? Like Carlton Davis does all, like he just destroyed Michael Thomas. I mean, three times last year, really just, you know, in the guys like that, I mean, he really held his own against Devonte Adams. He did well. Like there's a lot of guys, the bigger receivers, he does great against the smaller quick twitch guys, even like the Robert Woods, um, the, 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 the Cooper cups. Yeah. They give him a hard time, but those are clearly the top two guys in my opinion. I'm curious about AJ Terrell. He's coming on. I, I know we haven't mentioned many Falcons or Panthers players, but I am. I mean, AJ Terrell, I liked him more than most people. People hated on that pick. I, I actually thought it was fine. Um, and then he had a good rookie year last year. So I'm very hopeful he can build on it. But I went Chauncey Gardner Johnson for my uh, third one because I was thinking nickel position. I actually wanted to draft to pick a nickel. There really aren't that many good nickels in this division. He is another, he's just kind of an irritant guy and he just gets under people's skin. Even his teammates causes them to punch people. And so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, who wouldn't want that guy in their corner? I think I'd, I'd take him on my team for sure. Steve, I like the upside. We need a rookie on this team. We're going to go with JC Horn. So we have Lattimore Davis and we'll go JC Horn on that one. And just, uh, and I'd like to point out that Carlton Davis calling Michael Thomas slant boy is still one of the most disrespectful things I've ever seen in football. <laughs> just absolutely an amazing trash talk moment because it stemmed from a fake story that took off like wildfire <laughs> was a blast to, to watch for sure. Okay. We've made it to our final position grouping. It's the safety position. We'll be picking two. John, you could start us off there. To me, this was obvious, also very obvious. So we're probably going to be in the same one on this one, sort of. But I said Marcus Williams and Antoine Winfield Jr. to me because Marcus Williams, I mean, just a, a terrific free safety. Winfield played free safety last year a lot for the Bucs. I've kind of floated the idea that even though he was very good at free safety and he absolutely can play any safety spot, and that's kind of what makes him really valuable. I wonder if when Jordan Whitehead moves on after this season, probably if they go Mike Edwards at free safety where he's at his best and Winfield plays more of a versatile down or nickel role at the safety position, because I think that might be his best. So if you were on a team with somebody like Marcus Williams, who's kind of exclusively a single high guy, takes the ball away, takes good angles, that kind of stuff, I think they would be great complements to each other. So that one, those two were easy for me, but I also think Jeremy Chen is an exciting player that I'm anxious to see where he goes after the season. I actually, I have that in my notes on the safety, like word for word. Also, Jeremy Chen, really intriguing player. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think it's Antoine Winfield and Marcus Williams, and I, I don't think it's really that close. Uh, 
Marcus Williams, most people are going to remember him forever is like the Minneapolis miracle guy and like, and, you know, and Brent and missing the tackle or whatever, but he's actually been an exceptional NFL player who, who doesn't get enough credit. Um, He's just really, really good for that secondary. And Antoine Winfield Jr. is just got all kinds of upside. I think he's a really talented player who's going to be really good for Tampa Bay for a long time. So I, I don't think that there's anybody else uh, in the division in terms of safety who you really got to look at. I think those are clearly your top two guys right now. So that is our NFC South All-Star team. I'm going to read it back to you. And I just want to go back to you guys and see if you're satisfied with it or maybe would you change something with the, the possible snubs here? We have uh, Brian Burns and Cam Jordan, Grady Jarrett, Vita Vea, Levante David, Demario Davis, Marshawn Lattimore, Carlton Davis, J.C. Horn, and then Antoine Winfield and Marcus Williams, possible snubs, Shaq Barrett, A.J. Terrell, Jeremy Chin among them. On the offensive side of the football, let's review one more time. It's quarterback Tom Brady coming back age 43. It's the all-star position in our NFC South All-Stars. Uh, the Bucks O-line we decided upon. Uh, the running back Christian McCaffrey. Tight end Rob Gronkowski, so Brady gets his boy. And then our wide receivers, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin in the slot. And on the other outside position, Calvin Ridley. Uh, possible snubs, of course, Alvin Kamara, Kyle Pitts, Michael Thomas. Uh, John, when you hear that lineup, are you satisfied with it? Yeah, I just want to know who's coaching them. We didn't pick a coach, and that's really I, difficult. So You I, know what? I, Maybe we should. Pick, let's pick the coach really quickly. We've got some time left. Do you, want me, do you want me to go first here? Yeah, go ahead. All right, you just got to edit this out so when Bucks fans listen to it, they don't, they don't uh, get it. Uh, I just think if you're picking a staff, I'd pick, I'd pick Dennis Allen to run the defense, and I'd pick – uh, Sean Payton to run the offense. I love Bruce Aarons. I think he's terrific. I think that uh, Todd Bowles is terrific. But to me, the larger sample size suggests those guys are the, are the better play at, at coach and coordinator. See, I go Bruce Arians just because Sean Payton's going to find a way to put Taysom Hill on this team. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't I don't want, want the Taysom Hill stuff at all. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's garbage. Yeah, I think I would stick with with Bruce Arians just because uh, you know he is the hot coach. He did just win what was, um, you know, the Super Bowl. Those are the two obvious picks. You're not going to be picking Matt Rule here after last year. You're not going to be picking Arthur Smith. So we know who we're yeah. not going to be picking uh, when it comes to that. But uh, we have our full NFC South team. Now that we have some coaches for them, Steve, are you satisfied with the list? I'm very satisfied. I think that's a hell of a squad. <laughs> All right. That squad well, probably beats any other division squad, I think. John, before we close this thing down, how can people find everything that you do? Yeah, you can find my work over at pewterreport.com. Yes, it's a lot of buck stuff, but I also do a ton of draft stuff. And in the summer, I launch into these rankings like everybody else just for fun because I am a nerd like that and watch and study a ton of football from around the league like Serto is saying that he does. So yeah, you can follow uh, some. I got some NFL rankings going on over there too. Edge Defender rankings just dropped. And so you can check those out. And then on Twitter at Ledyard, L-E-D-Y-A-R-D NFL draft. That's great. Uh, we will make sure to check out your stuff as we go along. And, and the Bucks are trying to uh, repeat as champions. This is the very first edition of the pick an all-star team in the division like we're going to be doing each and every day over the next couple of weeks here at the SB Nation NFL show. For John and Steve, my name is Pete Sweeney. RJ Ochoa should be back next week. This has been Monday, Football Monday.